Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain, and this is the Creative Writers Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you advice and insight that you can apply straight away to your own writing. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you'll also find information about the Creative Writers Tool Belt handbook, which condenses all of the very best advice and insight from my expert guests and me in one place. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Creative Writers Tool Belt and that it's helpful to you on your writing journey. And welcome to episode 121 of the Creative Writers Tool Belt. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how much of a challenge it is for us writers to deal with the psychological and emotional cost of marketing ourselves as writers and our work, especially if we're publishing independently. And I'm going to be as honest with you as I can and probably more honest with you in this episode than I have ever been in any of the episodes of the Creative Writers Tool Belt. And that's really because I haven't got everything worked out with this issue, certainly in one or two places. And I have to hold my hands up and say, that's the situation I'm in. But I will share with you the strategies and the tactics and the tips that I have found work. So let's start with some context and I'm afraid some hard truths. There have never been so many opportunities for us as writers, so many options and choices about how to write and how to publish and how we present ourselves and our work to the world. There's a proliferation of platforms out there for us to talk about our work now. But with all of that comes a challenge. The internet and social media are crowded, noisy spaces. Lots of people are talking about their work, trying to draw the attention of others to what they're writing and selling. And the effort involved in trying to be heard in that space, in trying to present your work, and from the other side of the fence, the effort involved in trying to filter out all the noise so that as a reader, you can find something worth paying attention to, all of that effort can be really exhausting. So for us writers, there's the effort of choosing a platform and working out a strategy to promote our work. And then there's the psychological effort of pitching our work as well. Now, I think it's not so difficult for some people, particularly extroverts, because extroverts enjoy the conversation and they enjoy sharing about what they're doing and what they're selling. But a lot of writers, and I include myself, are introverts. And the psychological effort for introverts in doing the equivalent of saying, look at me, look at my work, all of that can be very draining. Many of us are not comfortable with putting that kind of message out there. It kind of goes against the grain with who we naturally are. And if we're honest, I think we'd have to admit that most people are not terribly comfortable with hearing that message in the marketplace of the internet and social media shouted at them again and again. Now, I think any writer who is out there marketing themselves and their books basically wants two things. First of all, putting it bluntly, they want to sell their work and they want to make some money. Not every writer, but a lot of them. And I'd include myself in that group. There's nothing wrong with that in its place. And I'd put an emphasis on what I said at the end there. There's nothing wrong with being concerned about how much you sell and how much money you make out of selling, so long as that's in perspective. But the hard truth is, no one else cares about how we're doing in, in those ways as much as we do ourselves. The people we communicate with, friends and family, fans and acquaintances on the internet, on social media, maybe through a blog or an email or even a podcast. They don't want to hear us always saying, buy my book or even support me on Patreon or asking for assistance in some other way. That uncomfortable feeling we get when we do that too much, that's because basically we are doing it too much and it will strain those around us, but it'll also strain us as well. So much as we want to do well, much as we want to sell our books, we're acutely aware of the fact that we need to be very careful about how we talk about that and how we go about doing it. 
And that links to the other thing that I think writers want. And this can come in the form of likes or responses or follows or comments or retweets or whatever. And it all boils down to the same thing. And it's the same thing really that everybody wants, I think, on the internet and social media. We want people to notice us and we want to have some evidence that people have noticed us. So to sum up, I think the two things there that writers most want is they want to be able to sell their work and present their work effectively to people. And they want other people to notice them and they want to see some evidence that that has happened. And the problem is that there are so many people, including me and maybe you, who want some attention and a sale on the internet that the audience, the people who are looking and sifting through all this stuff, grow resilient to the noise and resistant to the calls for attention and requests to buy things. And so that is a rather bleak way of presenting the landscape to you. And I think the challenges that we face can be boiled down into three areas. First of all, marketing ourselves and our work as writers is emotionally and psychologically expensive, especially if we happen to be introverts. Secondly, the people we're talking to tend to be resistant to anything more than the most occasional sales pitch. They might want to talk to us, but they don't really want to be sold to all the time. And thirdly, the things that we care about in terms of how well our writing's going and how well we're selling stuff, our engagement, our profile, our sales, all of these things are only really of interest to us, not anyone else. What the other people out there care about, what our customers and what the people who are interested in our work care about is the quality and utility and value of what we're presenting to them. So all of this leaves us with a rather difficult question. Given the difficult situation we're in, what can we do? So I've got four observations on this issue, and each of them leads to one or more practical suggestions about what we can do to tackle the challenges that we face. And the first, and perhaps the most important one, is this. We simply need to produce the best product that we can. If you don't think your work is good enough, then you won't market it very well. And not only will you not market it very well, but you won't enjoy marketing it. Now that doesn't mean it has to be perfect, but it does mean that you have to get it to as good a state as you can. Your book is ready not when you're sick of editing it, not when you just want to get it out there, not when you're tired of looking at the thing. It's ready when you've got it into the best state possible, when you've got the best cover possible for it, when you've done all the editing, when you've had it professionally edited if you possibly can, and when you've put all of the effort that you can into it. And successful authors earn the right to be heard by producing the best work they can. So let's all be part of that group. Second thing, marketing and promotion is messy. The people who do it best pick their battles carefully and they're patient and resilient. So let's unpack that a little bit. I remember seeing an email from a very successful writer and entrepreneur showing two charts. One was how people think about book marketing and book promotion. And the other was how it really happens. Now, the one that was like the theory, how people think it happens, just showed a smooth line going up and up as success is followed by success. The other one was a line that was jagged. It went forward, it went backwards, it went round and round in circles. And that represented all of the failures and confusion and setbacks that happened in the realm of book marketing and promotion. And that is the truth. No one, not even the very best people at this marketing game, know what's really gonna work. Everybody tries stuff and they fail, and they fail again, and occasionally they might succeed. It takes 
effort and expense to implement all of these ideas. And that means we need to choose carefully. We need to pick our battles. We need to choose very carefully the kind of marketing activity that we want to engage in. The best entrepreneurs and the winners in this game are the people who are persistent. They learn and they keep at it. They're resilient, but they also recognize that trying something out will cost. And so they're wise about what they do and choosing where they commit their energy. Now, the third observation on this is a question. Are you a slave to the numbers? And I'm going to confess here to a bit of an obsession of mine. As we make our work available through different outlets, we build up access to a series of dashboards and reports that can tell us how our work's doing, how many copies we've sold, how much money we've made, that kind of thing. And it happens in practically real time. We can look at those numbers once a week, once a day. We can look at it many times a day. I can go and look at those numbers as many times as I want to. I can watch those numbers grow, or perhaps I can rather more painfully watch them not grow. And that whole process can stop becoming a helpful way of just tracking things and move more into being an addiction. Now, the only advice I can offer you on this comes from the truth that others care about the quality and value of what we offer, not our numbers, not our sales stats or anything like that. So my encouragement to you and to me is to focus on those things. And that means focusing forward on the tasks and the goals and the projects that we're working on, on the work that is going to create new material that people will want to engage in. It's not looking continuously back at historical numbers, but looking forward to what we can create and what we can put out to market in the future. The fourth thing I want to mention just reflecting on this is this. Let your social presence on the internet be sociable. Social media, as my friend Wendy H. Jones is fond of saying, is just that. It's social. So be sociable when you're on social media. Say interesting stuff. Engage with others. Trying to sell your work might be interesting as a very occasional topic, especially if you've got something new to say. If you've got something new coming out, by all means talk about it. But sounding repetitive or desperate about your stuff does not interest other people. It doesn't matter how much we want to talk about it. Those on the receiving end are going to be resistant to anything more than the very occasional sales pitch. And no one really wants to be sold to. We all need to earn the right in our relationships to ask for something, to pitch something. And that's true whether we're on the web or whether we're talking to somebody face to face. So what are the main takeaways from all this? Here are four things that I think we need to remember as writers when we approach the subject of marketing our work. First, create the best book you can. The best thing you can do to help market your work is to produce as good a product as you possibly can. Don't publish it too early. Work on it, improve it, get a decent cover for it, get it properly edited. And this isn't just because a better product sells better, although it does, it's because the better it is, the more you will believe in it and the more you will want to market it and the more you will enjoy marketing it. I worked hard on getting my book, The Creative Writer's Tool Belt Handbook, into the best state it could be. Sometimes I felt impatient to get it out there. Sometimes I was fed up with the thing. I was sick of editing it. Sometimes I just wanted things to move forward more quickly. I'm not a desperately patient person sometimes, but I knew this was a truth and I applied it. I got that book into the best state that I could possibly get it. And because of that, I'm happy to market it. I'm happy to talk about it. And the same is true for your work. Put the effort into getting your work into the very best state it can be. Then you will be proud to talk about it and you'll enjoy telling other people about it. The next thing is a failure like a success is a step towards improvement. And it's not a reason to feel defeated or despair. Successful people fail an awful lot because failure 
is a just a stepping stone on the way to success. Now, we've all heard these sorts of things before, I know. We've all heard these stories about how the great people try, try and try again, and eventually they succeed. Um, that is true, and I want to say that, but at the same time, we need to balance that off against the fact that failure is costly. It can be costly financially, and it can certainly be costly in terms of the psychological energy and effort that we put into things. So the practical steps here on this issue are these. Do your research carefully before you invest time and money in a marketing attempt. Don't just try lots of different things and spend yourself doing that. Think about what you want to do and then focus on it. Know what your goals and expectations are. Try to understand why things fail or indeed why they succeed. And don't despair. Take time out from the battle to recuperate and regroup if you need to. Gather yourself together again. The third thing is try not to be a slave to the numbers. And I'm saying this to myself as much as anybody else. And it is difficult because it's so easy for us to keep going back and looking with these online dashboards at how well we're doing. But my only real advice here is the advice that I found works. And that is that we put the great amount of time and the main amount of energy into looking forward, into what our audience want, into the quality and the value of the work that we're creating. That means looking at the next goal, looking at the project that we're working on now and getting through that and getting that done. And I think you'll find that achieving the goals that take you forward will actually ease the compulsive desire to keep checking the numbers on how you're selling things and how well that's going. Final thing, let your social media presence be social. Choose the platform that you feel comfortable with. If you don't like Facebook, don't go on it. If Twitter's not your thing, forget about it. Be sociable in an environment that you enjoy being sociable in. And once you're there, talk about fun things and interesting things. Engage with others. And on occasions, if you want to be quiet, be quiet. Take time to regroup and centre yourself again when you need to. So those are the things that I think practically we need to focus on. Do the best work you can. Be careful and determined about the way you go to market. Try to look forward and focus on what you're creating and be sociable and friendly in a way that you're comfortable with when you're engaged with social media. And these are my tips for surviving and thriving in the jungle that is self-promotion and book marketing. I hope all this has been helpful to you. I haven't quoted from anyone today, but there's lots of help and wise advice out there on this subject. I recommend Wendy H. Jones's book, Power Packed Book Marketing, and also Joanna Penn's book, which is simply and aptly titled How to Market Your Book. So this has been quite an intense episode. If you want to drop me a line and tell me about your experiences with book marketing, your successes and failures and struggles, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at Andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. So that's it for now. I'll be back with another episode soon. And until then, as ever, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or me, just go to my website. It's andrewjchamberlain.com.